Chapter 4, The Greats. Commitment. So how do you become one of the greats in your field, one of the masters? The first and most important step is to commit. Commit all the way. Commit means, from the dictionary, to devote oneself completely to something. See, this is a problem in in America today, for sure. I live here, so I'll talk about America. Americans don't commit all the way anymore because when they do, somebody's going to call them fanatics. Let me tell you something. You want great things in life. You want incredible things. You need to commit like a fanatic. Become unreasonable. Fanatical if you have to. I'm like that about my career and my future and taking care of my family. I'm committed all in, and I don't care what you you call or say or how you describe me. This inescapable truth is required for anybody or anyone to be truly great at anything they endeavor. You must devote yourself completely. If you're a career salesperson, then you will have to devote yourself, your energy, and your resources to a career in selling. If you aren't a career salesperson, you'd better get it to your core that your success, your every moment, possibility, endeavor, Any chance you have of making it still depends on this thing called selling, and you'd better learn it. You have to convince yourself, commit, that this is the thing you have to learn in order to get your way in life, and that this thing is where you are going to make your riches or make your dreams come true or just basically prosper and do well in an incredible way. So how does a person actually commit? How do you commit? Man, how do I commit? What do I do? What do I have to do to commit? Well, what I do when I commit is I eliminate any and all options and devote myself to that thing and learning everything I can about that thing. I become a fanatic. I become 100% absorbed, all in, a super freak, if you will. I stop questioning. I stop asking other people for their opinion. I stop looking on the internet for what other people said or didn't say or might have said or I quit doing research, dude, and I'm in and I'm in all the way. Right or wrong, I'm in. I don't stick my toe in. I jump in the pool and I stop questioning. I discontinue looking at other options. That is commitment. Committing is as simple as picking a place to park your car, find a spot, pull in, get out. You don't keep looking for another space once you park. Commit and be done with it. Committing is when you make a firm decision, a complete 100% decision, and you stop wondering and then follow your commitment through with actions. Once you've fully committed to a partner in life, it's good advice to quit looking for new partners. You take what you have, commit, make everything you can out of it, Could you find someone prettier or smarter or happier? Probably. But, hey, is that committing? What if they were doing the same thing with you? Could I find somebody prettier or happier or smarter? Hey, absolutely, to the listener. But look, that means as your partner, I'm not committing. Committing means you're in all the way. It means you're done looking. It means you've you've cut off any other possibilities for now. No more alternatives. No more shopping. And then I'll make that person that I'm with the prettiest, the smartest, and the happiest. I'd rather commit to the wrong thing all the way than commit to the right thing halfway.
I'm gonna say that one more time, okay? Live by this. I'd rather commit to the wrong thing all the way than commit to the right thing halfway. Greener pastures. This is for that person that's always looking for that greener pasture. The guy who thinks the grass is greener over there is the same guy who never committed to taking care of the pasture he already has. He winds up mediocre, average, and miserable, always looking for greener pastures. What was he even doing looking at another pasture in the first place? See, look, he already had his own green pasture that needed to be mowed, needed to be watered, needed to be weeded. Remember, hey, while there may be greener pastures, they're green because somebody committed to taking care of them. Weeds grow in every field, and if you don't commit to it all the way, you'll neglect it. And if you neglect it, you're going to get weeds, and then it'll go brown. And everything around you is going to look greener, because it is, because you didn't commit to taking care of what you had. Is there better opportunities around you? Probably. Why? Because somebody's taking care of those opportunities. They're watering. They're feeding them. They're giving them sunlight and life. They're selling that opportunity and it keeps getting bigger while yours is getting smaller. Why? Because there aren't any greener pastures that weren't taken care of by someone. See, when you neglect, you'll immediately start to dislike that thing which you neglect. And then you'll start peering over, looking at the neighbor's fence, thinking, wow, what he has is better. It's only better because he's committed. So commit. Commit all the way to your career. Commit to learning something that you can about selling. Commit to learning about your product. If you're an actor or an actress, your product is what? Right? Commit to learning how to get that into the marketplace. If you're a business owner and have products you sell, commit to getting that product into the marketplace. You have to commit to your product, your service, your employees, your expansion. You have to put a stake in the ground. Commit all the way. Do or die. Commit to learning everything you can and watch how much green your career will produce for you. See, whenever I commit myself to any line of action, I find myself getting immediate results. They're not delayed because I'm in all the way. If you commit and don't get immediate results, I would suggest that you haven't committed all the way. When I'm not committed, I find results are delayed or even non-existent. If I'm committed 100%, to the customer in front of me, let's say I'm selling a product and there's a customer, I will get results with them. But I'm with, when I'm with one customer and I'm thinking about another customer over here and thinking about another opportunity and I can't wait to get home tonight and I'm thinking about that and I want to be with the kids and we're going on vacation, see, I'm not with that person all the way and I'm going to get delayed results or maybe even non-existent results. I'm unable to make the best of what I have. Why? My commitment dropped out. Commit. You have to commit, and you have to commit all the way. When I give my seminars, I put on this small gold pin that I wear on my lapel, and it says 100%. A salesperson once asked me, hey, why do you wear that pin? I mean, do you wear it for the customers to see? I mean, what's the deal with the pin? What's it it mean? And and I explained, look, yeah, you know, I I, I like customers seeing the little pin, and it intrigues them. And, And they'll ask a question, you know, like, hey, what does that mean? But I don't wear it for them. I wear it for me. I wear it to remind myself to commit, to get in all the way. I don't get dressed for other people. I get dressed for me so I feel good, so that I'm dressed professionally. I want to look good, obviously, but for me first, then them, 
And I put that pin on to remind me, hey, Grant, be 100%. You can't be 100% one day of the week or twice a week or three days, every day. Sometimes I go into the restroom and look at the pin and say, dude, you got to crank it up. You got to get committed and recommitted. See, commitment is a very, very personal thing and is the indisputable single requirement for getting results in life and separating yourself from the herds of others. Well, at the age of 25, I'd been in and out of sales for five or six or seven years. And I realized that I was still all those five, six, seven years looking for a real career. See, no commitment equals no results. No commitment equals no or little results. I hadn't made a commitment to sales yet, and I wasn't proud of my position. I didn't want to be a salesperson, didn't like the work I was doing, so I didn't get results. If I hadn't committed, how can I be getting results anyway? At the very best, I was average, and I was average because I wasn't committed. It wasn't because sales was right for me or wrong for me or I could handle it or not handle it. Look, the first rule, you have to commit. And because I wasn't committed, I wasn't getting results. You get it? No commitment equals no results or non-existence results or poor results or, hey, I'm not getting all the results of the horsepower I have. If I have 200 horsepower and I'm only using 10 of it because my commitment is only to put my foot barely on the accelerator, I'm only going to get 10 powers of horsepower out of the or 10 miles an hour out of the, the, the 200 horsepower, and I got a car that can drive 180 miles an hour. Why? Because I won't commit to the accelerator. Because I wasn't getting results, I didn't like my job. And because I don't like my job, I reduced my commitment even further. And it becomes this vicious cycle. No commitment equals no results means I don't like my job, which means I further less commit. I'm looking for greener pastures and this vicious cycle of destruction. See, to the degree you aren't proud of your job, the job you're doing every day, you will not be successful. And to the degree you are successful, ultimately will determine how proud you are of your career. The career you're in is not the problem. Your commitment to that career, to learning everything about that career, to getting results in that career, that is the problem. So I want to read this one more time. To the degree you are not proud of your job, your position, your post, your career, whatever it is you're doing, you will not be successful. And to the degree you are successful will determine how proud you are of your career. See, your career is not the problem. Your commitment to your career is the problem. So I decided one day after years of being average, mediocre, that sales was not my problem. The selling thing, I'm a salesman, that's not the problem. At that moment, I decided that the problem was the lack of commitment. If I was going to do this for one more day, why not be completely committed? And in that moment, and it took a moment, I devoted myself to learning everything there was to know about selling. My goal became I will stand head and shoulders above everyone else in this field, not just the people that surrounded me, but everyone in the field. And I will no longer be compared with others regarding selling. I decided at that moment to become a professional and to be different than the typical average, mediocre, 
salesperson. See, that's the moment when everything changed for me. And it changed immediately and it changed magically. Right away, my energy changed, my dress changed, my actions and my habits changed, my language even changed, and my results, they were immediate. Immediately, my pastures became greed, uh, green, my, my potential exploded, and results showed up. It was almost spiritual. In fact, it was spiritual. It was so dramatic, and that is the magic of commitment. If you want to be successful at anything, you have to commit. You've got to be in it 100% with no other fish to fry. The, the burn the ship kind of mentality is what it takes to get you to a place where you'll do the things that will ensure results. No place to swim back to. No place to go home. Hey, this is my last stand kind of commitment. To get into the game as though your life completely depends on it. Because the truth is, your life does depend on your commitment. The life that you've been dreaming of depends on you getting in all the way and doing it now. This is how I approach anything from which I want results. This is how I approached the career selling at the age of 25. And that moment, my life changed. I'll never forget the first time I experienced the magic and power of commitment. And I know some of you are thinking, man, the guy's starting to talk about spiritual. I'm I'm telling you, it was spiritual. Whatever that means to you, it was magic. It was one summer I was working on an offshore crew boat servicing oil rigs, and I was not a salesperson. I was a hand. I was labor by the hour, two weeks on, two weeks off. We were off the coast of Louisiana, and we used to sit around waiting for the rigs to call on us, and we were a supply boat. We would deliver supplies. It was a boring job. When we weren't actually working, We'd spend time fishing off the side of the boat. We'd drop a 100-foot line with like 20 different uh, hooks on it. We were uh, fishing for snapper. And on one particular lucky day, we reeled in hundreds of snappers. we just drop the line over, wait 10 minutes, pull it up, and there'd be 20 snappers on it. Well, this day was just like we just hit this incredible amount of fish. As we packed them in with what little ice we had on board, I listened to the other crew members who were talking about, I'll have enough fish to eat for weeks. And and they were going to take all this fish home and eat it. Well, for some crazy reason, I saw value. I'm like, my gosh, we have so many fish. There's no way we can eat all this. They're just going to give it away. For, for some crazy reason, I offered to buy up everyone's fish with the idea that I would go home and sell the fish on my way home. At that time, I had never really sold anything and didn't know anything about fish sales for absolute sure. Hell, I just caught my first fish. I didn't even know to whom I'd sell these fish to. All I knew was that my gut instinct, my knowingness, was telling me that someone would want to buy those beautiful red, fresh red snapper. Hey, we wanted them. We were excited about them. Certainly other people would be. Well, with hundreds of snappers piled into the back of my truck, I realized I needed to create a market, find customers, and figure out how to convince them to buy my fish. I had to think fast because, man, look, the ice, the ice was melting. I didn't have any, you know, extra money for ice. So I had to think fast because the ice on the fish was melting and I wasn't going to lose my paycheck, 
and my inventory if I didn't move the product right away. As I thought about where I might find these customers, I remembered how the Bible salesman used to come knocking on the door of our home and how committed that guy was. I mean, those guys, they you know, cold call, pitch their book, don't leave until they get a sale. And I was like, wow, I need to go door to door. It was getting late and I decided I'm going to have to use the door to door approach. And even though I didn't like the idea of the door to door approach, look, if it was good enough to sell Bibles, it had to be good enough for me because I didn't have any other choices. Uh Uh-oh, commitment. I'm out of choices. See, as the ice continued to melt, it forced me into more of a commitment, urgency. I started to blast through neighborhood after neighborhood, announcing, I have fresh fish just caught in the Gulf of Mexico. Knocking on doors, I rapidly explained that these fish had been caught in the Gulf that morning, and it was the best money could buy. I'm making big claims. I'm learning how to sell, and I don't even know it. After I covered the houses in the area, I started going to businesses and found out the businesses, there was more people in them. And I found more prospects. And I sold the rest of my fish. And I did it before the last ice was gone. See, that day, in four hours, I learned the value of commitment. I had a fanatical, have to get it done, no other options, blow myself up level of commitment. And I'm going to tell you something. Commitment equaled immediate results. And immediate results, because of my production, equaled happiness. Because I was a happy guy that day. I'd made more money selling fish in four hours than I'd made doing hard labor work for two weeks. And it all came after I made the commitment to sell the fish. Actually, I didn't ever make the commitment to sell the fish. I was forced into commitment to sell the fish or lose the money. I'd put myself in a position where I didn't have choice, but I had to sell them or lose them. It was do or die. After that experience, I was, pardon the pun, hooked on sales forever. But I still wouldn't become a professional for seven more years. So the first thing you have to do in any career is commit yourself to selling as something that is vital to that career and to your life, regardless of what your post or career actually is. Especially if you're in sales, commit all the way, all in. Commit like a fanatic. Commit right now and watch what happens. Commitment is like magic. In fact, you know what? It is magic. And nothing great ever happens until there is commitment. Most people don't attack their projects with I have to get it done kind of urgency and therefore never get it done. What was out was commitment. Most people never commit like fanatics because they don't want to be called fanatics because they think something's wrong with being a fanatic and then become average mediocre. Look, you want to get fantastic life? Become a fanatic about your life. You want to become fantastic with income? then become a fanatic about your income. You want to become a fantastic entrepreneur, then become a fanatic about being an entrepreneur. Commit. And the first thing you will get is the power of prediction. The moment I transitioned from an amateur to a professional, that's following my decision to commit, 
and become dedicated to that career. I began studying the entire area of selling, okay? Now I'm a professional salesperson. I'm an amateur salesperson. I'm 25 years old, and I'm starting to study the whole field. This is about seven years after the fishing. And I'm starting to, like, dedicate myself. I'm studying. I'm listening to tapes. I'm watching video. I'm doing everything to consume everything about this topic. I submerse myself with data. I began studying the whole area of selling. I start taking notes on every exchange I have. I'm recording customers. I'm videoing customers uh, without permission, by the way. I'm recording all these experiences on audio and video so I can later go back and study them. I'd study them like a football team reviewed playbacks of games. I didn't know it then, but I had gained an ability that most salespeople never get from committing to learning everything. And that ability is called the ability to predict. See, to predict is to know what's going to happen next. I stumbled across this skill and found myself gaining the ability to accurately predict the outcome of future situations, future situations, they haven't happened yet. And I started to know exactly what I had to do every day to create one, a certain amount of income. That was one prediction. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to see this many people to get these results. I was gaining the ability to predict what people would say to me. I was gaining the ability to predict exactly how many people I'd have to see and what they would say to me and what I would say back to them. I was able to predict objections before they handled happened. I was able then to handle them as they surfaced because I could see it coming. It was if it was as if things had gone into some kind of slow motion. Like I knew what every player, the customers, the managers, the people around me, the inventory, the environment. It's like I was able to predict the field around me and what it would do. The moments to come, what would happen. The ability to predict is the first thing that happens when, when you become professional in your field. I had reached this level of ability And I knew it. At that moment, I had become a professional. I believe the ability to predict is the first indicator of you crossing a line from the amateur to the professional. Prediction is the great unknown and unrecognized asset of the professional. You know, I've never heard this spoken about before in any of the CDs or programs or seminars that I've been to. But I know this ability to predict exists. If you've read about any of the great athletes. They talk about the same phenomenon happening whereby they, they're able to know everything that's going to happen before it even happens. Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, all these guys have been quoted as having the experience of being able to predict where the play would move to and how that play would turn out and where to position themselves to make their score. Years ago, I was selling a product to multimillionaires and discovered the ability to predict. I discovered quickly that I had a very short period of time with these people. Money wasn't the problem with them. Time was the problem. And I discovered that because I had a very short time in which to make my presentation, and that time was such a great concern to these people, I had to handle it. In fact, time, again, was more valuable than money. I had this one prospect I was working with. And I, and I knew exactly what his objection would be when I got him on the phone. It was like I could predict it. 
Money's not his problem, Grant. Time is his problem. I heard this in my head, right? And he says to me, son, I'll give you 60 seconds. Having predicted correctly, I handled him without having to think about what I would say or do. See, because I could predict the next move, I could respond with credibility. Because I had studied so many other similar situations and prospects like him and had formulated and prepared solution, I was able to be responsible for the communication for the exchange and get results with him. This prospect, who started out difficult, became one of the best clients I've ever had and would later actually be responsible for launching my career in sales training. What career? Pick a career that hadn't had time or a shortage of time imposed on it for that talent, that individual, to sell their products, to sell their ideas, to sell their dreams. None, all people, have had time imposed on them to stop them from getting what they wanted. So, How does one gain this skill of prediction? How do you get it? Well, first, you have to start looking at everything that's happening. You have to observe accurately without emotion or blame and make note of it. This is what I did. The ability to predict comes from assuming responsibility for what's going on around you and believing you can control it. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The ability to predict comes from assuming responsibility for what's going on around you and believing, rightfully or wrong, that you can control it. And that comes after commitment. Once I commit, I'm like, hey, I'm committing to my environment. I can control this environment. You get it? The ability to predict comes from assuming responsibility for what's going on around me because I'm committed and believing I can control it because I'm committed. Now, when you do this, you have to pay complete attention to everything that's going on around you. And you have to record these encounters. And once you do this, you'll start to see a very finite set of patterns and responses and noises. When I started recording my phone calls, for instance, and making notes of every exchange I had with these people, I immediately tapped into an ability to perceive patterns. And then immediately became able to predict my environment. Look, it was so easy and so fast. It was like, my gosh, what have I stumbled onto? I carried around this little notebook called an objections notebook, and I write down, I wrote down every objection I would hear from people, every comment they would make. Later, I would study these notes and start to see that most of the people that I was working with, these customers, were all making very similar comments. Prior to this, I thought there could be any of 10,000 things they were saying to me. But after I started writing them down, found out it was very finite, limited amount of, of things I was hearing. Noise, if you will. My awareness was raised and I was able to start coming up with solutions. It was amazing how fast I became aware, conscious of what was going on. You know, one of the things I work on in my life today, more than any other thing, is raising my awareness I don't want to reduce my awareness. I want to become more aware. Problem with drugs, alcohol, hypnosis, all those things are, is it lowers awareness. Even people telling you what your problems, they lower your awareness. People giving you answers to your problems lowers your awareness. If you want to raise awareness, 
you need to start becoming aware of what's going on around you, logging that information, writing it down, and coming up with solutions. It was amazing when I started doing this, how aware I became. One customer would tell me something, I'd write it down. The next customer said the same thing, I'd write it down. When I began began to observe and take responsibility what was happening to me, I was able to predict what they would say. More importantly, I was prepared to handle that situation now out of this preparation. I had control because I knew something. To know, K-N-O-W, is critical to success as knowledge equals power in life. To know means you end up with fewer no's. See, if you're getting no's, it means you don't know something. If you don't have money, you have no money, it means you don't know something about money. If you don't have sales, it means you don't know something about getting the deal. If you're an actor and you're not getting auditions, you don't know how to close that audition. Some knowingness, K-N-O-W, is out, and there is how you get N-O. Fewer no's, would you agree? Fewer no's, N-O's, means you would have a better life. Means you need to know more in order to get fewer no's. Well, let me tell you what happened for me after this observation, if you will, this stumbled awareness. My production doubled almost immediately from the simple action of observing and writing it down. My confidence, I mean, soared as my knowledge increased. And if my knowledge increases and my confidence go up, what do you think happens to the income? Baby, it's going to follow. See, prediction. I could see the future. Not because I was a psychic. This isn't some strange, futuristic, read palms thing. But because I, was, I had observed the past accurately, I was able to start predicting the future. I didn't realize it at this time, but I was now in charge of the ability to predict And this ability to predict is one of the first benefits received from being in all the way, from committing and becoming a professional. I had become responsible, aware, alert, and solution-oriented, and I was able to predict. Look, until you become a dedicated student, you cannot gain the skill of prediction. It is impossible. It will stay so far outside of you. Commit first. Study everything you can, log down everything that happens, and you will get the skill of prediction. All masters in any career will be able to predict accurately. Once you get some sense of possible situations that can occur to you in whatever your scene is, start taking notes. Record everything you can. Record yourself on video so you can watch yourself and how you respond. I started looking at what I said, my facial expressions, my responses, my tone, my attitude, my voice, my gestures. Wow, there was so much to learn about what I was doing. Forget what they were doing for a moment. They did something I had to know about that, but how was I going to respond? I became addicted, fanatical, completely committed to knowing all that I could. To predict is to know, and to know is to handle situations correctly. If you handle things incorrectly, it's because you don't know something. This will increase your confidence and increase your sales, increase your results, and increase your income. To sell successfully is to enjoy your job. It's not grit your teeth, I hate selling, and I still make money. No, that's not success. To sell successfully is to enjoy your job. Enjoy this task of selling, which means 
you will continue to expand with more sales, more income, more revenue, more yeses, and more wins. Winning begets winning. Winning gets more winning. The more winning you get, the more you're winning. And winning is critical to your life. Now, here's the only reason you wouldn't like selling as a career or as a requirement to get by or to survive in life. There's only one reason. Do you want to know the only true reason someone doesn't or wouldn't enjoy it? Well, I'm going to tell you the way. Because there's only one real reason, and it's not all the reasons you've heard. It's not because you don't like rejection. I mean, really, who does? Meet somebody that likes rejection, and it might be somebody you don't want to hang out with. Look, it's not because you're lazy. Everyone is lazy when they fail. Don't kid yourself. You know, I push hard, work hard, and create a lot so I can be lazy. You get it? I work so I can be lazy. Everyone is lazy when they fail. I don't want to be lazy because I'm failing. I want to be lazy loaf because I won so much. I can take some time off, kick back, and waste money. But remember this, particularly if you're a manager, management. You will see laziness happen when failures happen. Everyone is lazy when they fail, and most people are then trying to avoid more failure and start backing away, appearing to be lazy. It's not because they don't like people. Well, why is that guy not waiting on people now? What's going on? Why don't they go talk to people? Why isn't she going on auditions? Why isn't he making sales calls? Because he's trying to avoid failure, man. Everyone's lazy when they fail. We all like people when they're successful. You know, you like people, they're all saying yes to you. What do you do? I want to meet more of these people. I want to go hang out with them. I want to spend the day with them. Exactly. Winning begets winning. Failure causes people to be lazy, to avoid failure. The only reason a person does not like what he is doing is because he does not know what he is doing. If you don't like your job, you've lost interest in your job. It's because you don't know something about that area. He's not winning, and he does not win because there's something he does not know. And if you don't win, you're not going to like your job. The doctor who cannot save lives will not like being a doctor. I don't care what he's paid. He's going to go home at night exhausted. The teacher who cannot get her students to learn will sooner or later become disenchanted with teaching. She's not able to sell her ideas. A salesman who cannot close deals will not like selling. Therein lies the only reason you will not like being a salesperson. When you don't understand something, you're not in control. When you're not in control, you're not going to like what you're doing. Why? Because you're not getting results. You know, I met this guy once, good friend of mine today, partner in a business named Scott Morgan. I met him back in 1995, I think, back in 1995. And we were considering this new business partnership. He came to me with this idea about how to expand the business, and he wanted to run it. I was giving a presentation at that time or just a short time after that in Vancouver, British Columbia. He lived in Orlando. I told him, hey, meet me in Vancouver. I'm going skiing for the weekend. Uh, let's talk about what we can do together in an arrangement, you know, a business arrangement. And we'll get in a little skiing. Well, Scott had never skied before, so I suggested he take a beginner class. He arrogantly, he's a redneck, by the way, he arrogantly puffed out his chest and decided a beginner class was beneath him. The next morning, the two of us, he, and I tried to talk him out of it, but very stubborn guy. He says, no, 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 I can do it. I can figure it out. I'll figure it out as I go. Well, the next morning, the two of us took ski lifts to the top of Mount Whistler, one of the steepest vertical mountains 
in North America. Well, Scott looked up as we were going up the tram and then the, the ski lift, and I could tell he was like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten, gotten you know, into here? We got to the top of the mountain. Scott looked down, then at me, and we both knew he was in big trouble. But I did like his commitment. See, he knew nothing about selling, let alone how he was supposed to get down the mountain. Look, he didn't know the difference between green and black slopes. He didn't know what a mogul was. He didn't know what a wide run was. He didn't know where to go or where to avoid. While I admired this courage and this commitment, I observed that he didn't understand the value, fully understand the value of training, education, and knowingness. Well, Scott paid the price. He spent one day, eight hours, getting down that mountain. And to my knowledge, he's never put on a pair of skis again. Well, when we finally made it down to the bottom of the mountain, I suggested that we start a training company together because I admired his courage and his commitment so much. But I told him, look, let's start this company so that salespeople will never have to have or experience in their careers what you had to experience on this mountain today. Let's have a mission and a commitment to making sure people know everything they can about this job called selling. Scott and I have been business partners for many years now, over 15 years. He is one of the most persistent people I have ever known and has made a full-time commitment to helping others through training so that they can have successful careers that they can take to the mountaintop. To qualify as great, all greats are able to predict the outcome of any given situation, and great salespeople are able to determine and predict their incomes. This is extremely valuable for every human being in their life to be able to predict what your income is going to be before you even have the month, the quarter, or the year. If you are able to effectively and consistently increase your income as a salesperson, an entrepreneur, a CEO, an actor, an actress, whatever you do, you are not a professional if you aren't able to do this and are to the degree that you can. If you can't do it, there's something you do not know and are not able to predict. It seems like it would be fairly important to be able to predict what you have to do to raise your income. This is something I would like to know everything there is to know about. What about you? It seems like it would be critical to be able to predict what you have to do in order to raise your income. If you're not able to predict the objections, the stalls, the problems, the situations around you, the ones your prospects will certainly give you, you are not truly a professional. You are not a great salesperson. You will not know how to predict your income, and it will show up in lost sales, lost confidence, and lost doing this. Regardless of how long you've been doing this thing that you're doing, if you're losing more than you're winning, then you need to realize right now and admit you're an amateur. And it's time to kick up your commitment, many notches, at least a notch, and become someone that knows, K-N-O-W, what he or she is doing, to know everything about your field. You say, man, you're being harsh on me, Grant. Well, I don't think I'm being harsh on you. Yeah, yeah, you're being harsh on me, Grant. I'm just going through a cold spell right now. Wrong. You're making excuses, and the reality is your cold spell is due to your own lack of understanding of your profession. You know, this economy right now is experiencing a contraction, and the pain is massive. Why? 
Because these people that are experiencing pain don't know something. And this contraction in the economy is showing people what and how much they don't know. The amateur suffers. You've been sliding by on amateur skills. And those skills are showing up in your results. Anyone can sell when everyone is buying the product. But, you know, there's no competition. Everybody wants your product. That's a simple deal. Anyone can sell when anyone and everyone wants it and is buying it. And the money's free. But when there's competition and the economy tightens, the amateurs start crying and the professional continues to prosper. The major difference is the professional's committed and he knows what he is doing. And the amateur, hey, he's not committed and doesn't know. A boxer is considered a professional boxer if he's paid. But if he loses every match, people will not continue to pay to see him and he will lose his status as a professional and return to where he should have been which was amateur status. He'll be knocked down to his true rank. Most business people are being knocked down by the economy due to their ranking, their true ranking, knowingness, and their commitment, their lack of commitment and not knowing how to sell their products. In my opinion, a person does not have to be paid to consider himself a professional. Pay does not make you a professional. You are a professional when you can predict results and get them regardless of your pay. If you know your game and you don't have to rely on luck, instead you can get consistent success and results and can compete with others at the very top. Pay just happens to be reward, a reward given to those that reach the top. And maybe, maybe there's not even pay at the top. Maybe you're the top fundraiser. And you don't even get paid to fundraise, but you're the top and you're the best and you always get it because of your commitment and because you know what you're doing. Well, look, there are many professional mothers out there who aren't paid for raising children. On the other side of the coin, just because a woman is a mother doesn't mean she's a professional mother, doesn't know the game of children. There are mothers out there that you wouldn't hire to sit with your kids. See, you understand the point I'm making? Just because you're a cook doesn't mean you're a Cardon Blue cook. But you could still be professional, even though you're not paid for it. See, my sister, Diane, for instance, she is a professional cook. She'd never tell you she's a professional. She's not a Cardon Blue chef. She's not paid to be a chef. But that chick is a professional cook, regardless of her title or her willingness to take the title. Not because she earns a living, but because she knows what she is doing. She knows the kitchen. She knows her appliances. She knows her timing and she knows her recipes. It's not just the preparation of the meal and the fact that the food tastes good. Hell, I can duplicate her recipes, but the amount of mess I create compared to her, the time I take compared to her, the effort I use compared to her, oh my gosh, it's not even close. I'm an amateur that's enthusiastic about cooking. She is a professional and she loves it because it's effortless for her. She, she might complain about doing it, but she's always saying, hey, can I make you something? And then complain about it. She has the ability to predict all that goes on in preparing a meal, and I don't. This comes from committing to being aware and observing the scene completely and learning everything there is to know about it. Just like there are lots of cooks and lots of mothers, there are also lots of so-called salespeople. But just because a person is engaged in the business of selling doesn't make them a professional. If you're a professional golfer 
It means that you're qualified by playing in tournaments against others and have qualified based on your abilities to produce certain results comparable to those other professionals. And just because you're a professional doesn't mean you're great. To become one of the greats, and that's what this chapter is about, it's not about being a professional. It's about becoming a great professional. To become one of the greats, you have to practice, not just play. To become a great golfer, you have to commit to every fiber of your being and your mind to the game and still know there's more to learn. See, do you see the difference here? You, like knowledge, what does knowledge want? It wants more knowledge. What does a fire want? More wood. What does a great person want? More of everything. Most salespeople are amateurs. Some are professionals, and only a few are great. Ultimately, it comes down to the level of commitment and dedication one has. The greats can predict, and that comes from committing, observing, and preparing solutions. To the degree you can predict, you can respond appropriately. Prediction is the great trait of the great salespeople. The more you're able to predict with accuracy, the more you're, you'll be prepared to handle situations like driving. If you know what the other drivers are going to do, you can avoid accident. Do you, every driver has the ability to predict. Otherwise, they'd all hit each other every day. See, it's not just about driving your car. You've got to be able to predict what the other drivers will do and use the observations you have made in order to predict the future. Can you remember a time when you knew nothing about your job but still got the job done? Remember when you were brand new, a rookie green? You knew where the restroom was. You didn't even know where, maybe where your desk was. You knew your boss's name. See, you, you, you got success then, but you didn't know what you were doing, so it wasn't consistent. Your income went up, it went down, went up, it went down. You made it happen and then you didn't make it happen. You made a sale but didn't know why. You missed a sale and and were mystified for days. See, can you remember a time when you just used sheer persuasion and necessity level? You begged, you pleaded, somebody felt sorry for you, and you made a sale? You remember that? Well, leave that for the amateur. Leave that for the underpaid professional and become a great Start observing now so you can predict, so you have a chance at being a great. Leave chance and hope and prayers out the back door and commit. Observation is the only way you'll acquire a strategic understanding of the sales process, and it's the only way to develop your prediction abilities and the only way to become one of the greats. I'm talking about those guys that are written about, admired by all industries. Remember, no matter what your role or job in life is, you need, you absolutely need the ability to predict outcomes and the future and the next thing. You're either getting your way in life or you're not. Even if you're not a salesperson, start observing where you aren't getting your way. Take notes. Those who understand selling and persuasion and getting their way in life get their way. And those who don't understand selling and getting their way in persuasion don't get their way in life. See, are you ready to become a great, a great at whatever you do? Salespeople, you ready to get great? Are you prepared to pay the price and do the work to become a great, not average, not mediocre, not even professional, but great, that small handful, no matter your career, are you willing to become great and commit? I hope so. I assure you, 
If you are prepared to pay the price and do the work that I suggest in this book, if you are, I assure you, this book will change your life. And you will be a great, and it will change your life dramatically, quickly, and forever.